Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to Small Business Digest on Blog Talk Radio. Now entering its fifth year, this show is hosted by Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Each week he brings you advice and information from experts and small business leaders like yourself. Each show is designed to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas from authors, experts, and small business leaders, just like most of the individuals who make up our audience. Whenever possible, Small Business Digest tests the products and services featured on the show to ensure they are of a quality to help listeners grow their small business. Guests do not pay to appear, but are chosen for their ability to provide ideas and suggestions to improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like what you hear, tell others about the program. If you have a question or suggestion, email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Should you want to join us on this program during our live hour each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, dial 646-929-2337. That's editor at is-incorp.com or 646-929-2337. We're only as good as our guest and audience make us. That's a long introduction. But today we have a really special guest with us. Stacy Hanke has written an absolutely fabulous book, which I'm going to let her tell you all about. Um, uh, Stacy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here. Stacy, first, as I always ask our guests, tell us a little bit about your background before we do anything else. Yeah, well, I was kind of in your shoes. Back in the day, I wanted to be in TV, and I wanted to be the next Katie Couric, but apparently that did not happen because of what I'm doing today. So I took a, a stint in radio for a while, and then my career really switched. I went into corporate world doing a lot of training and development, and what I noticed were the biggest gaps between a manager and a leader was this ability to communicate, and I thought, oh, I have something here. And I started training leaders giving them how-tos to make sure that how they communicate was the way they intended. I did a couple of stints around the world. I, I live in Chicago now, and when I first moved here 18 years ago, I was brought in by a company that would travel me internationally, teaching leaders how to communicate more effectively. And it was really heavily focused on presentation skills. I say that with hesitation in my voice because I never thought that was right. I always thought, how can I teach someone just how to present? when they don't do it every day. And that's when it hit. That's when I realized, gosh, it really is about how do people influence every day, Monday to Monday, which is the subtitle to the, to the book, part of the subtitle. And I started Stacey Hunky Inc. We're 15 years old this year, and we really focus on the spoken word. It comes down to making sure that leaders are really aware of how much influence they have rather than what they believe to be true. And 
Well, now you've written a, a fabulous book. Tell us the title and, and, and what it's all about. Thanks. The title pretty much tells what it's about. It's titled Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Were Meant to Be Monday to Monday. And the book is really our years. I keep saying ours. There's a whole team behind Stacey Huntke, Inc. And it's over 15 years of spending a lot of time with leaders who confess to us feedback they receive is always flawed. They're always told, good, nice job. And they talk a lot about how it gets lonely at the top. And the second reason for writing the book was we get a lot of leaders sharing with us how unaware they are, how they feel when they communicate. It's so different how people experience them. And I thought I really wanted to write a book on practical and immediate how-tos that anyone that picks that book up is serious about first making sure they truly, truly know how they're coming across. And when I say that, I mean body language and messaging. To also make sure that there's proven research, there's, there's a lot of interviews in that book from top influencers, there's a lot of research that proves what we are saying is true, to make sure that when that reader puts that book down, they say, all right, I, I realize I really don't put a lot of focus in not only how I show up for every interaction every day, how I stay showed up, most importantly, how people experience me, because when all those three are in line, that's really what's determining the level of influence someone has versus the level of influence they believe that they have. Wow. Well, you know, um, uh, where, where can our listeners get the book? Let's get that out of the way as well. Do you have a website? We got it. We have a website. The website is filled with videos, a lot of takeaways. It's a self-study website right there with a lot of resources. The book is there. And it is Stacy with an E-Y, H-A-N-K-E-I-N-C.com. The book is also on Amazon and Barnes & Noble for this month due to popular demand. We are completely out of every single book. So you'll see the book come back up in about three weeks. Now, uh, Stacey, let me go to let me see if I understand uh, the book and what you're saying. You're, you're, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, yes. you're saying, in fact, you have to be careful about what you say because people hear it differently than you intended. Would that be? Not Well, you know. Uh, Oh, I'm glad I got something right. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, but it's fascinating. Um, I don't want to go into the political angle, but we have a president that seems to say things that uh, rub people the wrong way. For instance, um, uh, the, the controversy with the uh, uh, standing or not with the flag. Uh, mm -hmm. when it, with the national a anthem uh, and how he says it. it uh, I do a lot of uh, talking across the country, and it's amazing how in the Northeast we perceive it one way, yet in other parts of the country we hear his words differently. Um, how could the president improve the way he uh, gets across his message in your view? And I'm, I'm, I don't want to go to the political side. But yeah, we, don't wanna, the, we want to stay away from that, right? 
<laughs> I, I think I can give the answer that's going to apply to everyone. And here's what the book really dives into. It's a prime example, exactly what you're saying. I define influence by body language and messaging. It has to be congruent. And that's probably the biggest mistake a lot of people make, is they're saying one thing, their body language is completely saying something else. And when those two are not consistent, and I'm talking they're all not consistent all the time, every conversation, you've got people guessing. People are start guessing who you are, what you truly bring to the table. When they start guessing your credibility, your confidence, your trust, there's no way influence can occur. So that, that's step number one. Number two, you're tapping into adaptability. We get so caught up in what we want to communicate, what we want our listeners to do. The adaptability part is another element to influence, that you're adapting not only your style, you're adapting your message to no matter who you're speaking to, whether you're in Europe, the Middle East, you're in Canada, wherever you are, you've got to be paying attention to who is in front of you, what are they sharing with you verbally and non-verbally. And in the book, the book is based off of an influence model. Adaptability is one of the elements in that model that I give a lot of how-tos in the book of what are you, what should you be listening for, what should you be watching for, what type of questions should you be asking about your listeners, not only before the conversation, but during the conversation. Our president is just one example. There's, there's so many individuals that will shoot a message off via social media and just kill their reputation. All of this is really based on reputation management. The more you destroy your reputation by having people guess, what are you going to say today? How are you going to show up today? The more difficult it's going to be for you to build a reputation that you truly are proud of Monday to Monday. Well, um, first uh, our audience are small business leaders, uh, and uh, mm -hmm. some of our survey indicated about 59% of our audience are presidents and or uh, owners. Um, take what you've been saying, and you can can you apply it to some of the issues that that uh, uh, affect small smaller businesses? Yes. And I'm a small business owner, right? We, we, we have a big capacity of clients that we handle, but as far as my size, my business is very small. I know there is no way I could have sustained 15 years in this business as competitive it is, as it is if I didn't have influence. And I learned very early on that it really is about how I make people feel. When we go out and we survey our clients to ask them, why us? You can go to so many other people that do similar to what we do, right, as far as the topic we focus on. And the conversation always, the feedback always comes back to you're easy to work with. You always follow through. You're always very clear on your promise. Well, all of that is communication. I think with small business owners, we have so much on our plate. We're sprinting through life. We're trying to do it all, no matter where you are in your business or what your goals are to grow or sustain your business. Communication is the core to anyone who owns a business. We don't have time to miscommunicate. We cannot run the risk to have our clients guess what type of service or what type of product that they're going to receive from us every day. Truly believe that one of the very first steps that any small business owner needs to take is they have to take a really close look at not just you know their website, what does their website communicate, it's more about 
how does your client experience you? And if you're ever curious, ask your clients. Ask your clients how your communication comes across. If there was one thing that you could improve, what would it be? What is one thing I can change to make sure that I'm more impactful and that I am more effective for you? Well, you know, you know, I've always felt that personal service uh, is the one big advantage a small business has, and people people are saying that the uh, the internet is taking that away with e-commerce, but I don't believe that. But uh, no. let me ask you this. Go ahead. Then, then comment no, on that, no, please. No, go ahead. Please. I agree. <laughs> I, no, uh, I just simply agree. And I think what's happening is we just we don't put focus in it. We take communication. Again, when I'm talking about communication, it's not just our message. We take for granted that we communicate every day that it's starting to become a lost art, and we really need to focus on how we're coming across every single day. You're, you're so right. And we, we oftentimes uh, uh, forget the, that. Um, uh, whenever I, I go into, um, I'm always, uh, I, have, I wear glasses as do many people, and I, I'm always uh, uh, um, pleased when I go into uh, the chain, which I'm, right now I'm blanking out on, that I, I've used for the last 10 years, but I've always felt that uh, they're unfamilyly uh, good to me in the sense that they, the first question they ask is, how can we help you? But if you, but at the same yeah. token, you can, you can go to other places where they couldn't care less about you, and it makes you feel as if you're doing them a favor by being there. And uh, I've always felt mm -hmm. that if a small business can instill that, even on over the telephone, it's a long way to success. Yes, I agree. And it doesn't take much effort. That's what blows my mind. It does not take much effort to be friendly, <laughs> to be kind, and to be thinking about how does this person really experience Experience me, and is it the way I truly do want to come across? I, I, I always talk a lot about to my audiences. You'll see it also through the book that common sense does not mean common practice. We know we should eat healthy. We know we should exercise. We know that, but how many of us always consistently follow through on it? We know that body language messaging is all very important. Yet again, we get caught in our own dialogue. We get caught in sprinting through life we start to take that for granted. Well, can we make a big jump? Um, you, you sound sure. like someone who, who really knows this. Um, we, we went to a, a show, a, a, a conference show yesterday, and what always struck me is there were just two t types of people manning the booth, those that were aggressively trying to pull you into the booth and those that uh, by their uh, words and by their body language, couldn't care less whether you went into the booth or not. And um, uh, uh, you, do you want to comment on that and how you can break that down? Um, it happens to be a pet peeve of mine because I, uh, I, I, I'm, I knew a salesman uh, who's long gone, gone 
who always uh, who was always successful in the booth because they always started with the word, "How can I help you?" and "What are you here for?" and then mm -hmm. go went from there. But can you would you want to talk about? I know this is kind of off a little bit, but the, you just mm -hmm. sound like a, a knowledgeable person in this area. Thank you, thank you. You're hitting it right on the head. You said he was successful for years. And how much effort does it really take to say, how can I help you, what are you here for? I would also have loved to have seen his body language. I bet his body language invited people to come. And I, I've been in trade shows as well. If I see someone who looks like they'd rather be having a root canal than having a conversation with you, why would I ever want to go talk to someone like that? And I would also guess if you went up to those individuals and you brought up that concept, they probably have no idea that that's how they come across. I truly believe individuals who are going to stand out, when I say stand out, success, we all define it differently, truly get through life with meaningful relationships, a success, if that means more money in your pocket or for our small business owners, that means growing your business, it's going to be the simple concepts of people truly feel that you're approachable, you're genuine, you're welcoming. We have to keep in mind that influence does not just occur through our words. Influence occurs also when you are silent. Influence occurs when people see you from afar at that booth on, okay, here's someone that I, I wouldn't mind hanging out with them and having a conversation. I am so intrigued, you probably can't tell, I am so intrigued with how we're unaware of how people see us, yet it's our behavior, we're just unaware of it. And that's, that's actually one of the very first elements to the influence model in the book. I talk a lot about you've got to be self-aware because if you're not self-aware of your example, how you're coming across in that booth, you're probably judging your communication, you're probably measuring your level of influence off of how you feel rather than what is fact-based. Tell us again the name of your book and where people can get it. Thank you. It's Influence Redefined. Be the leader you were meant to be Monday to Monday. You can get it right on my website, Stacy with an E-Y, H-A-N-K-E-I-N-C.com. We're here talking with Stacy Hanke. I hope I pronounced it correctly. You um, got it. Thank you. Well, I'm going to I'm going uh, to again to pre presume on your intelligence and knowledge, and, and hit a, <laughs> a, 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 another uh, uh, controversial. Uh, I happen to be married to a Harvard MBA, and uh, oh, you are uh, a you brave know, to, man. Oh, but believe me, it's it's been wonderful. Um, but uh, the first time I met her, I said, uh, "You're the type of woman that said, let me uh, pour the tea, or I'll break your arm.'" But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, it's it's been a wonderful experience over 35 years. But, uh, mm, but the question, uh, thank you. The, the question I have is, there are differences, obviously, between men and women. And for the women in our audience, what are some of the things you've noticed that they should do, not differently, but perhaps better take a, a advantage of their gender differences? 
I can only talk from experience. When I talk to all female audience, and it's usually very high up, so it's anything from a VP to a business owner, women constantly say to me, I'm not heard. I'm interrupted. I'm considered differently than I really want to come across. And not that men experience the same thing. I just I hear it more often from women. What I find with women, I'm constantly talking about how to have brevity. Speak in short, bullet point sentences. Get to the point. Women tend to translate that as, if I'm too direct, then I will be seen as aggressive. Rather than, my point is, you want to be assertive. Because when we say too much, when we fill, and I'm not talking just about the um and ah, I'm talking we just keep talking. We frustrate our listeners. We're saying too much. We confuse them. And as a result, they're going to interrupt. And our, your listeners to this show, their ideas are worth hearing. Your ideas are not heard. You won't have influence. Another challenge to that for women is I find the majority, and this is big overview stereotyping here, women tend to be a little more soft spoken than men are. And when their voices do not come across as confident, your listeners start to question, how much knowledge do you really have? And if they're questioning your knowledge, they're probably also questioning the level of trust that they have with you. Out of all the behaviors and all the delivery skills that I focus on, those would be the top two where I see women really struggle. Well, you know, you know, when my my wife went to Harvard, they videotaped uh, some some of the discussions, and women would make mm. a point, and it would be ignored until some, a male brought it up later on in the conversation. Uh-huh. And it was very you uh, got it. illuminating. But uh, um, the best piece of advice I ever got was from a man who told me, uh, uh, after you make a speech or after you do something, always leave the stage while, while the audience is still c- clapping. Um, uh, would you like to talk about um, uh, how are the ways that you end the conversation or end the presentation so, so that things that um, you can a, move forward or... Uh, or uh, have another meeting, et cetera? Mm, a specific call to action. I observe so many meetings that will end this way. Thank you for your time today. I hope this was beneficial. I look forward to your decision. <laughs> and what you really just said, I just wasted 30 minutes of your time, and there really was no purpose behind it. You heard me say the word hope. I'm very careful with the word hope. I never say the word hope to open nor to close any conversation because the word hope starts to diminish your credibility. I always ask for a call to action. Throughout my speeches, throughout my meetings, I'm constantly giving very specific action steps to communicate, hey, this is your meeting. This is your presentation. This is why this was worth your time. When you can remind the audience at the very end, here's what we've agreed to, or here's the action step I'm going to recommend you take in this time frame, there's more value that they've got the buy-in. This wasn't just you presenting, having a conversation with them. It's getting that engagement and connection that why would they want to be influenced by your message. Now, if I throw out, when I do throw out that action step, I always want to make sure there's purpose behind it. What's the purpose for them to take it? What's the value for them to take that action? The very last thing is always some type of, I call them memory hooks. 
maybe it's a quote, an example, a story, a metaphor, an analogy, to just tie everything together at the very end. Well, that, that's, that's really one wonderful advice. Um, advice. Uh, let's continue, if I may, um, Stacy. Um, mm -hmm. What a, at a meeting or in a business thing, when things lag, what are some of the th things that you you think of that to do to? Um, uh, 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 what is the? Um, um, some of the ways that you can. Uh, you know, to kind of get the conversation up and running again. Yeah. The big one is open-ended questions. Too many times a lot of our conversations are closed with, do you have any questions? Or you just mm -hmm. told them, don't really say anything. <laughs> you, don't need to, you don't need to interact. When in doubt, a lot of open-ended questions. What are your thoughts around? What's been your experience with? What is the best advice? Anything that's going to get individuals that they have to respond. The sooner you do that in any type of conversation, you're creating the reputation for that interaction that you're going to interact with them. They're, this isn't about you standing and telling them what to do or sitting in that meeting and having them do exactly what you want to do. The other reason for that type of level of interaction is adaptability. I don't know how you can adapt your message if you don't have your listeners interacting with you, the interaction element and in what they give you to your questions, to the examples that you're asking them to share, that's a gift. That is a gift of them letting you know what, what do they know, what do they need to know to take the action you want them to take, what do they want to hear from the conversation. The more that we can adapt and resonate our message with our listeners, the more likely they get buy-in because you're, you're truly speaking their language and speaking to their level of experience. That's, yeah, uh, Stacy, your book again and how people can reach and uh, find it? You bet. It's Influence Redefined, Be the Leader You Were Meant to Be, Monday to Monday. And that's on Stacy, www. Stacy with an E-Y, H-A-N-K-E-I-N-C.com. It's really been a pleasure talking with you, Stacy, And I, um, you. I hope that you'll come back again sometime and uh, talk some more. Thank you so much. It would always be an honor. I so appreciate your time and your listeners' time. Wishing everyone the very best. No, it's guests like you that make this program. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Our next guest is someone I'm really looking forward to. Her name is Joanne. Tell, tell, I always pronounce it wrong, Joanne. Tell, Tillman. <laughs> it's, uh, she, it's Tillman. Good job. Uh, welcome to the program. She is the president, founder, chief bottle wash, washer for Gra Granny Joe Products. And we welcome her to the program, and we're going to let her tell you w what her company is all about because I saw it at a show, and uh, we had to have them on the program. Oh, thank you, Don. Um, 
Granny Joe products started roughly 10 years ago when my mother-in-law uh, was having trouble trying to figure out why her coffee mug only had one handle. And I told my father-in-law, oh, I'll go online and I'll find her a mug with two handles. And um, was really surprised that such a product did not already exist on the market other than the plastic sippy cup for a child. And while uh, my mother-in-law, who did have Alzheimer's, um, might have been comfortable using that, I think it would have been very difficult for my father-in-law. I asked my son, who was a global sourcing vice president at the time, whether or not he knew someone who um, might be able to make me a mug with two handles. And within 24 hours, I had a photo of our first um, Dignity mug. And um, we've named the product a Dignity mug because we felt as though it allowed people to hold on to their dignity a little bit longer. One of the things that happens so frequently when people get older is that their dignity gets stripped away from them, you know, little by little. And anything they can do to help, you know, hold on to it is important to them and the people who care about them. Uh, one thing and another just happened, and we kept expanding our line of products so that we now offer bags for walkers, uh, blankets for wheelchairs, um, napkin clips for people who really don't want to wear a bib. Um, we just have a full line of accessories for aging as much as anything. And interestingly enough, it's a market that um, traditional retail has not embraced at all. And with the growing number of baby boomers um, who are going to be looking for things that are fashionable, uh, just to, like I said, accessories for aging, uh, that's something that uh, the marketplace is, is going ahead and um, finding room for without traditional retail embracing it. Well, okay. Um, Joanne, tell, uh, tell us your website. Um, our website is um, www.grannyjoeproducts.com, and that's G-R-A-N-N-Y-J-O products.com. Well, how did you come up with the name Granny Joe? Oh, well, that's 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 a story in itself. I have um, I have three. Sons. My husband and I have three sons, and one of them they all have sort of strange sense of humor. Um, I have seven grandchildren. Um, my uh, eldest son is a huge Outlaw Josie Wales fan, and in that movie there is a granny who sits on the front porch of a yes. little shack cabin. And um, so my son sort of jokingly named me after her. That's where the name comes from, <laughs> Granny Joe Products. And it's interesting that... Um, I, like I said, I have seven grandchildren, and the only two that call me Granny Joe are my eldest sons. The others call me Grandma, which is fine. I, I don't worry about what I'm called. <laughs> but that's how the name came about. Well, where are you located? Um, we're located in Lakeland, Florida. That's our home base. Um, Lakeland is between Tampa and Orlando. And uh, it's, a, it's an old Florida town. It has a lot of character and charm. We like it. Okay. But now, uh, you ha essentially, uh, you, you focus on um, products for the uh, elder market, which is, which is no doubt going to expand. And you got your first product. But uh, do you uh, uh, source all your own pro products, create them, 
or do you uh, uh, re repackage and resell other products? Uh, how do you come to your product line? Our products are all our products. We do not sell anybody else's merchandise. Um, everything has been designed basically by me. Um, and what I have, what I do, probably as much as anything, is um, if I'm out, I will watch older people um, and see how they move, see what accessories they're using, um, try to think about what might make their daily situation a little easier for them. Um, we, we have, like I said, all of our things are made for us. All of our products that are made um, in the USA are made in Lakeland at the Alliance for Independence, which is a handicapped training center. So they make a number of our walker bags, they make our, um, our bibs, and um, they make some other things for us. Okay, can you, um, you, you mentioned the bib, you mentioned the two-handled um, cup. Can you tell us some of the other products that you make? Well, um, interestingly enough, our probably our, our, our biggest seller is our napkin clips. Um, we have one catalog company in the Netherlands that orders our napkin clips and also one in Australia, um, as well as you know selling them throughout the U.S. Um, there's one gentleman who comes um, from South America every year, comes to Miami for, I think, the month of January, and we always end up shipping several dozen napkin clips to um, his hotel in uh, Miami for him to take back to uh, South America with him. Um, so napkin clips are, are, as my son says, and he's in the business with me, um, napkin clips work for anyone who eats. Um, if for people who eat or drink in their car or driving, you know, having their cup of coffee as they're, you know, going to work in the morning, stuck in stop and grow traffic, and they don't want to wear their coffee stain on them when they get to the offer. One of our local newspaper reporters um, in Lakeland, he told me that he had ordered some napkin clips from Amazon and hadn't realized at the time that it was a Lakeland company. And then what he did was, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, when do you use a napkin clip? And he said, well, I got tired of showing up at the office with um, egg on my shirt every morning. And so I just take them with me, have them in the car, and he goes out to eat a lot of mornings and he uses a napkin clip. And I thought, well, okay, that's sort of interesting, not necessarily, you know, what I had had in mind. We have... Um, about half a dozen different styles of napkin clips. We have pearls, we have adjustable, we have beaded ones, we have um, brown braided and pink braided, and uh, the napkin clip has been extremely popular. We've sold them to um, restaurants doing special events, you know, doing lobster um, dinners for groups of, you know, 40-some people, and they just want to serve something rather than have something other than the plastic uh, lobster bib. So it's, it's just a way of um, for keeping your clothing clean. And, and we all know that there are certain types of meals. I mean, it's a lot of pasta meals where no matter how careful you are, you're gonna, you can very easily end up with spots on your shirt. So it's, um, it's a handy, portable, easy thing to use. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of using it myself. I'm, I'm one of those people. But is, it, is, it, is, is this... Um, uh, patented? Why haven't people knocked it off? Um, well, actually, some people have knocked it off on Amazon. You'll see um, some others that have um, 
a smaller clip. Our clip is um, large and we call hand-friendly because the thumb pad area is larger than you're going to find on like the dental clips that have the little tiny gator clips. Those are not really ideal for somebody who's older. They're, they're too difficult to use. They're not what we call hand-friendly. So, um, and like I said, there, there's somebody on Amazon that sells something similar. But if you read the reviews, people like ours better because um, it's easier to use. So, so now um, this is your company. Uh, is any of your family in the business with you? Um, my middle son works with me in the business. Um, he primarily does sales and a lot of the marketing. And um, my husband is our treasurer, so uh, we couldn't we couldn't work without him. So <laughs> it's a family affair. Okay. Well, you you've been in business ten years. Well, what do you plan to do uh, over the next three years? Well, we you know continually trying to grow the business. Um, it's um, as you mentioned earlier in your introduction. It's a market that's growing. Um, it's a market that is looking for new things. And um, one of the things that is interesting is a lot of times friends or people I run into will say, well, maybe you should make this. Maybe you should make this. Have you thought about making that? And nine times out of ten, the product is already available somewhere. And one of the interesting things is that people really don't know where to go to find items that will help them. Um, and whenever possible, when we get an inquiry, we do try to help people locate something. But um, with regards to the next three years, perfect situation would be expanding the business, um, increasing our bottom line, uh, and getting and getting the word out there to people who can use the items that we make. We also do, uh, as well as seniors. We also sell a number of things to um, handicapped um, children who are disabled to have issues. The mug works for them. Our bibs work for them. The napkin clips work for them. The rain capes work for somebody in a power chair, a child. Uh, so we sell a lot of things to people who have disabilities as well. Okay, let me let me go way to the left field. We we met at a. Um, at a, a, a PR event um, in, in New York City, um, and I think that was your first time at such an event. Am I correct? Yes, yes, it was. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was basically. Um, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember her name right now. I'm having a senior moment, but but the point <laughs> was, um, do you find as a small business, such an event has been helpful to you and your business? I would say yes. Um, there's so many different opportunities out there, and there's so many people that are trying to get you to come to their show, um, you know, as a way to expand your business. And um, marketplaces have changed since we started since we started our business. Uh, there is a large medical trade show that we used to go to, uh, and it was sort of interesting. Um, this is a little aside, that when we initially started our business, when it came to uh, pharmacies and medical equipment supply stores, if it wasn't Medicare reimbursable, no one was interested in talking to you. 
that's no longer the case because um, the hospital supply stores and pharmacies that provide medical care equipment have all been encouraged to expand their retail offer offerings due to competitive bidding. So that market has increased for us. But uh, I think a lot of times when you're able to get your product in front of the end user, which is some trade shows, shows that we go to where you're actually selling your product to the people who um, can benefit from it, is a, is a good option. And a, uh, an event like the one in New York where we met is good because it's showing um, people who are in a position to publicize things that this is a whole new market. No one's really embraced this area. And that's part of the issue, the problem that we face as we're trying to grow our business is we know the market is there, but there's no place to sell the merchandise really other than Amazon and hospitals. And um, it, it's, it's how do you constantly uh, get your message out there. And that's why the event in New York was good because it was showcasing items to um, a group of PR people who otherwise aren't going to know that you know these items even exist. Hmm. Uh, very, very true. Have you have you thought about uh, uh, putting your, your your line into uh, drugstores or um, uh, put it out there where where people go? Um, we have met. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Am I allowed to name names? We have met with one large um, drugstore company on more than one occasion. Um, you know, you fill out the paperwork for them, but it's like a lot of places shelf space is very tight in, and it's kind of interesting because when I go in and check our local pharmacy, they um, I don't say they almost knock off the, some of the suppliers uh, because it's easier for them to private label. Uh, so that's, you know, there, that is a conundrum. Yes, of course, we would be interested in working with um, somebody who has a larger distribution network than, you know, we currently have, but uh, that opportunity hasn't presented itself yet we we still hope that it will well um, um, I, I guess my last question is based on your experience what will out of two or three things you would tell us uh, our audience 59% uh, of whom are owners and or presidents um, that you would tell them you've learned that you'd like to pass on uh, to them um, that's a yeah, that's a very interesting question. I think you have to constantly look, be looking for new avenues of um, and new opportunities. Uh, what worked maybe two years ago as a way of um, getting your message out there or getting your product out there may no longer be the best um, avenue for you. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try something that's totally and completely different uh, because you have to keep basically reinventing yourself. Um, if you think you're going to get be able to continue to get by with the same old, same old, you're going to somebody else is going to just go right past you as they come up with um, a new avenue and a new opportunity. Um, and uh, you know, you, you advertising, you do have to advertise, and advertising is is very expensive. Um, but you also have to keep trying and finding the right venue, the right place for you to advertise. 
uh, because everything is, it's, it's, they're all so different. Um, whether it's, um, you know, what print media and whether it's online media, whether you blog, whether you constantly go back, uh, market to your existing customers through your website, it's, you just have to, you just have to keep working at it. It's not going to happen overnight. Hmm. Um, uh, Joanne, your, your, your name again, your site, and how people could reach you. Uh, I'm Joanne Tillman. Um, our website is grannyjoeproducts.com, or you can give me a call anytime at 863-899-1654, and i uh, be happy to talk to you, um, maybe help you find something, maybe sell you something, or um, sometimes just help motivate people. So whatever we can do, we'll be happy to help. Joanne, thank you so much. It's been an illuminating uh, time with you, and thank you for joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And it was a pleasure meeting you and your wife in New York, especially okay. another Joanne. <laughs> I, I will do that. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great. And remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce. It's the season of smaller lines and bigger savings at America's largest indoor water parks. So make the short drive and join us for the ultimate family vacation. From toddlers to teens and moms to dads, everyone finds their oasis at Kalahari Resorts and Conventions in the Poconos. The getaway boasts 220,000 square feet of hair-raising water slides and rides, world-class spas, kids' play areas, and diverse dining options. Go ahead, make everyone's day. Book now at kalahariresorts.com.